when I started taking social media seriously during the pandemic, I also was discouraged um, from trying to like even create content because back then Instagram before reels was always pay to play. Like there was like no way to get reach and anyone who had a following usually had like shout outs and all this other crap. And then I remember TikTok came along and like people were getting massive reach with zero following. I was like, all right, this seems like a fair game to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just start posting and po- I'm like, dude, I just got a hundred thousand followers in 90 days right. making content. Like this is crazy. And so I was like all in on making TikToks, And then eventually, obviously Instagram copied and then they did the same thing for a long time of like, Oh, you can make reels and get known. And so, you know, my Instagram grew because of their openness now to doing that. And then YouTube is the same way, you know, just a much harder game. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just interesting because you're definitely more incentivized to try and create content if you know that you're not fighting like this massive battle. It's very short-sighted. Um, I don't know that it's going to change and I actually think it's going to get worse. Okay. They're making too much money and they don't really care about the end user in that sense or the influencer in that sense, not realizing that the influencer is what built them. The yeah. Re- the reason people are staying on these platforms is to engage with influencers people they look up to, they're heroes, people that cook, people that teach, people that do yoga. Like they're there for content, not just for their friends on social. Yeah. That's an interesting thing now that you're saying that, because when social first started, it was about your friends. Mm -hmm. So like Facebook and MySpace and everything. Now, when I think about social, it's like, yeah, your feed is going to be like these people you don't even know because they make great content. It's Mm -hmm. like what you like. Versus like, you're not going to get a lot of your friend's stuff because you're going to see their stuff. I don't see my friend's stuff. Do you? No. Not really. Yeah. Well, my friends are famous now, so I do. Yeah. But like my normal friends, I don't see. You don't see like your friend from high school. No. I literally don't see it at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting shift in dynamic. I wonder if somebody comes up with like the friend, you know, (laughs) platform. Friendster? Look, we're going back to (laughs) your your actual friends, not your people. If someone made a platform and it just was... um, the original algorithm, which is essentially in chronological order, people would be obsessed. The hard part is Zuckerberg will buy or crush any new platforms. <laughs> That's true. He will. Remember Snapchat? Me neither. Yeah. As soon as Snapchat, as soon as he couldn't buy Snapchat, he made Instagram stories. Yeah. Why buy Snapchat? Yeah. It just became a texting platform. Do you think threads will actually figure it out? So it's really tough. So obviously it's the fastest growing platform in history. And Zuckerberg made it easy because you just click and you can have a, a thread account from your Instagram or Facebook. But because they rushed it to compete with Twitter, it is a platform that fell flat on its face. On its face. Yeah. There wasn't enough to do there. You can't DM anyone. You can't share the way you want to. You can't repost the way you want to. Like, You can't do the things that you want to that are on Instagram, which would basically just be a knockoff of Instagram. But all you can do is kind of scroll through and the people that created content are just copy and pasting quotes. Yeah. And so it became not engaging of a platform and nothing to do. And so everyone rushed over there and it was fun. It was cool. And people were growing following like crazy. And so it had all the things that made people want to use it. And now it's a ghost town because it's just copy and paste. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if uh, it will figure itself out. Like, or how long he'll give it before kind of killing it. Yeah. It's a, there's not much risk to him because he has the user base that's there. 
the engagement's very low. If you notice, the engagement is quite low on most posts that are there. Uh, but when he does add all the features and he adds DMs and he adds ads and he adds other things for people to do, or maybe he'll add voice, maybe he'll do like a clubhouse thing on there. Like when he adds other things to threads, uh, people will use them. They already have an account. I, I just, right now it's very lackluster because there's not much to do. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, you, you built your career first in the, you know, beverage industry, and then you go into the social media industry for 10 years. And I, I guess through both of those, you know, you learned the value of like in-person mm-hmm. meeting, you know, whether it was these distributors, whether it was your, your charity poker nights to, you know, cutting these big influencer deals and holding these events that, you know, build more relationships. And now to me, it just seems like your career is going to just be, you know, purely events and investing. So that's the turning point now is that I still run the agency. I still do the charity events, but the live events business with this whole Aspire Tour deal and our four masterminds, it is like a huge priority now because it feeds into everything I'm doing, right? I go to these live events and that we're hosting, owning, or speaking at other people's events like WealthCon. Like I'll go speak at other people's events in person. It's, I don't want to say like a rock concert, but it's kind of like a rock concert. You remember when you went to Metallica as a kid, you remember when you went to see household name rapper or celebrity or country star, or whatever, you remember those moments. That similar feeling happens at entrepreneur events and business conferences and charity events. You remember seeing Ryan Pineda. You remember seeing Ed Milet. You remember those moments of going to those things. And so I've become obsessed with being at all these events and seeing my friends and seeing entrepreneurs and seeing fans, followers, et cetera, because they remembered those moments. And You've had it happen to you plenty of times. I'm sure that they're like, oh, I remember when I met you in 2018. Do you remember? Well, yeah. Of course you don't remember because yeah. you met thousands of people, but they do. Yeah. And it's important to them. And they remember that moment. And so I've made a part of my personal mission to be at as many events as I can for those moments. And I'm rallying my business friends and entrepreneurs and et cetera to be at all these events because we're creating moments. We're creating experiences. We're creating networking that then leads to stuff. Elevator Nights is free. I'll keep it free forever. But in those moments, I have 300 to 1,000 guests for free. They're networking. They're meeting. They're learning. And stuff happens. And then they come back next time like, ah, oh, at your Elevator Nights, I met my my now wife, my now business partner, my now blah, blah, blah. I've had people show up with a kid. They're like, look, we met, <laughs> we met at Elevator Nights three years ago. And now they have a kid. Yeah, Those are real life stories that like, yep. and so I'm obsessed with throwing events. And that's why I like the Ether Wealth Con so often is like, you're making people be in a room and talk about investing, business, strategy, networking, et cetera. And the butterfly effect is bigger than we'll ever know. Yeah. Because they go off and do things. Yeah. One of my uh, wealthy investor students, he came to WealthCon, I think, three events ago. So we do it every quarter. And young kid. And he was like, yeah, you know, he joined the program then. Next quarter, he meets this girl at the event. Last event, he tells me, he's like, hey, we got something to tell you. He's like, we're engaged. Whoa. And I was like, oh, nice. And they're like, we got something to ask you. Um, will you marry us? Come on. And I was like, what? I was like, you're going to officiate the wedding. <laughs> I was like, I guess I'm going to have to go get like ordained and everything. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So <laughs> that's going to be great content. <laughs> yeah. That, so that was, uh, that was funny. Um, <laughs> and maybe it was like, maybe there was one extra event in between. I can't remember the full detail, but it was within a year, yeah. you know? And then, um, we had another couple, this was last event. They joined the program and they're young. They're like 20, each of them. And they're like, yeah, you know, we had come to Vegas 
just to actually get married. And we saw your ads for WealthCon. So we decided to go to the event first. And they're like, yeah. And so then we ended up joining the program and everything. But, you know, we're getting married tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, that's so crazy. You like came to get married. Wow. You end up coming to this event that now you're going to go start your real estate career and all this stuff. It's wild. So yeah, I agree with you. I, I love throwing events. And, you know, it's interesting, right? You would know this. Um, events are, they can be profitable, but they're very hard to, to make sure. profitable. Cause it costs a lot of money. I mean, you guys, your guys' events cost even more than our events. And it's like, we're, we're spending at least half a million bucks mm -hmm. every wealth con and, you know, to cover ticket sales, to cover just all the other things and to, you know, turn a profit. They're not like super, super lucrative at the end of the day compared to other things you might be able to do. Right. But I personally enjoy the long-term benefits of it. Yep. You know, the relationships, the brand that you build, the um, business opportunities, the the partners you meet, like all these things you're saying, they're all like the ancillary benefits that actually outweigh the events P&L itself. Right.